Your kids probably have a classmate who needs to be the boss when they play together, or perhaps your child is the one who prefers to be in control. The number of inflexible kids seems to be on the rise, leading to problem behaviors such as bullying and defiance. Find out how to improve the behavior of alpha children in our interview with Dr. Gordon Neufeld this week on Family Anatomy. but they're not your psychologist. So if you need to talk to someone about family or mental health issues, you can get a referral from your family doctor. This show is for information only. Welcome to Family Anatomy, your source for parenting and relationship information with your hosts, Dr. Giuseppe Spizzano and Dr. Brian McDonald. You can find us at familyanatomy.com or over on iTunes. And let's get right into the discussion today. We're talking about alpha children. We're talking about alpha children, not with. beta children or VHS not children. Beta. No, we're, they're alpha. fully they're fully formed. <laughs> they're fully they're, they're not in testing mode. No, they are not. Yeah, we're going to be talking with Dr. Gordon Newfeld once again today. Dr. Gordon Newfeld, uh, he's a developmental psychologist. We've talked to him before. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he was in private practice. We just found out that he's so busy with international engagements, uh, speaking tour workshops that. Uh, He's not doing private practice directly anymore, uh, but he still has his institute open in uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia. He's internationally recognized for his work with children and families, and um, you know he's got a, a very long resume here. He, uh, but the book that we talked about last time with him, "Hold On to Your Kids," is is still uh, a very relevant book, mm-hmm. and I think he he might be working on another book. Well, hopefully he uh, he is working on another book. Certainly he's recorded some videos, and you can find those at his website, newfeldinstitute.com. And today we're going to be talking about those alpha children, which are kids who kind of get stuck in this this role or this need. Well, primarily the, the problems that we're going to talk about are the kids who need to be the boss, the kids who can't take direction, the kids who kind of rule the roost, so to speak, at their in their home. And really in any relationship, it's, it's this alpha kind of instinct and this dependency, like they go on a dance, could be in a marriage relationship, mm-hmm. even friendships with adults. Mm-hmm. There's, there's uh, you know, a tendency to want to take charge. And, and at times when someone's feeling more vulnerable, they, they want to be cared for. Hopefully when this is a fluid thing and in a healthy relationship, they go back and forth because everybody's got times where they're more vulnerable and feeling more confident. Right. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need to take charge of the situation. And, and uh, hopefully it's not one person who's in one of those roles all the time. That's right. And that's what happens sometimes with kids, I guess. And, and, and that's not what you want. But let's not do all the work for Dr. Neufeld. Why don't we get him on the line? Well, we may as well get him to do some work. Let's get him on the phone. <laughs> okay. Dr. Neufeld, welcome to Family Anatomy. My pleasure. 
It's we're, we're very happy to have you again on the show, and uh, we've been looking forward to talking to you again. The last time we talked, uh, we talked more about secure and insecure uh, attachment and the closest and distance that parents have with their kids. Tonight on the show, what we're going to do is talk about another dimension that, that, that you focused on, and that is the kind of alpha uh, versus dependent aspects of relationships. T- tell us about this and why it's important. This is, a, this is a huge dynamic that we seem to be blind to as human beings. We have such a strong value, I think, of equality that we, we, we simply don't see this, uh, this dynamic in relationships. It's obvious when we look at other animals. In terms of humans, uh, this, this drive to dominate, this need to dominate, has been misperceived. Um, Nietzsche and from there Adler uh, perceived it as, a, as a, an inherent quest for power that needed to be tamed. And uh, so uh, this has greatly influenced how people think. Others see it as a um, as an entitlement uh, or as something that needs to be confronted, uh, and so on. So there are various ideas about this. Uh, and of course, the most perverse manifestation of of this drive to dominate is uh, is bullying, uh, from which we can see we have quite an aversion uh, to this. But in actual fact, when we look at it from through the lens of attachment, we see that it's absolutely inherent. It is natural. It is part of the family of attachment instincts. It it is exists in every single mammal, and because attachment is primarily there uh, to uh, create a context in which we can take care of our offspring. Uh, attachment is primarily hierarchically arranged. There's no such thing as equality in attachment. It is actually hierarchically arranged. So the only instincts when we come close to each other, the instincts are either to uh, to take care of, that is the, the healthy instincts in attachment, or to move to, to dominate, to be the answer of the other, or to move to depend upon the other. And so even in in adult relationships, as we become attached, we move naturally and hopefully uh, in a a very fluid dance that when we perceive the need of the other, uh, we take the position of moving to become their answer uh, in the areas of of belonging and uh, and love and affection and all of those kinds of things, and and vice versa. And so this this alpha-dependent dance is very important. In fact... When, when you really understand this, as I've come to understand this, it's made more sense of the marriage conflicts we have than any other dynamic. We trip all over each other. When we're both alpha, uh, then we're, you know, we're, we're always trying to trump each other. Uh, it's like two people trying to drive at the same time. <laughs> or, or like in any kind of dance, one person has to have the lead. And, of course, if you're, if you're both uh, trying to follow uh, it's uh, it's it's equally uh, frustrating. So this this is the basic inherent attachment dance. Attachment is not about equality. It is it's about hierarchy, and and this is politically incorrect. We have a hard time really seeing this and and talking about it. And you mentioned bullying as one aspect or or one element of of alpha kinds of behavior, but it's not always a negative situation, right? No, it, well, uh, the alpha is is positive. Without it, 
Uh, we wouldn't uh, move to take care of the needy, to take care of the vulnerable. In the wild, the alpha instincts, you can see their, their intended purpose is to protect and to defend and to provide. And so these, uh, this is a very strong attachment need. It's very positive. The problem comes when, uh, when our emotional brain, the limbic system, uh, cannot move us at the very same time uh, to care or to assume responsibility. These are very two, two very important emotions. So there's, this, there's three uh, instincts or emotions that must come simultaneously uh, to, to take charge, uh, to care, and to assume responsibility. And the problem with caring and responsibility is they're very vulnerable emotions. And uh, we can easily become defended uh, to those. And even even mice can, even other mammals can. And so bullying exists in, in, in all these creatures. And, and so if we become defended against this, then the, uh, the intended, um, the, the alpha instincts get divorced from, uh, from uh, uh, what they were intended, their, their intended purpose, and the instincts become perverted. And this is what ultimately happens in bullying. You have this, this uh, drive to dominate that is strong. Uh, but to the other characteristic of, of every bully I've met in my life, and I used to work with prisons of them, is that they're defended against the feelings of caring and responsibility. And so the modus operandi then is to assert dominance through exploiting uh, vulnerability rather than what you would see it and you should see it as helping. Now, there are all kinds of manifestations of the alpha. Uh, you and I probably share one, which is the uh, rescuer helper syndrome. Mm-hmm. And and this is when you're over responsible and you assume uh, to take care of everyone. And uh, so it's well known among therapists, uh, well known among uh, others. And and this is uh, this is when uh, you're moved to be over responsible. If you hold others responsible, uh, which is a very interesting thing, you hold others responsible, uh, then the alpha manifestation takes a demanding. Uh, turn, and we are having an escalating problem with demanding children who are alpha children, who try to orchestrate the care of the adults around them. And you also have a very competitive manifestation. This is when the alpha instincts come when you're with your so-called equals, because uh, it's not in a position of hierarchy. Then you seek to displace the other, which is a very primitive, very primitive instinct of alpha is this displacement. And that's the basis of all competition is you're displacing the other, moving to the top and so on. And so that's a very strong instinct and for some people much more so than others. And so it's, I mean, the, the initial instinct is a, is a healthy one. It's one to, like an instinct to take charge and to take care of. But I guess at some point, uh, if that becomes a character trait as opposed to a way that you can be fluid in any particular situation, if you, if you are a parent and you see, or even in a marriage, and you see that the person that you're with is, is hurt, uh, that's, that's where that alpha instinct can come in handy. Uh, but if, if the motive behind it is not to care for the other, but just to further your own goals or your own self-promotion, I guess that that's one of the problems. That's right. 
the alpha instincts are meant to be highly fluid. If you put a, a baby in the arms of a two-year-old and you do some matchmaking, you know, oh, he's so lucky to have a big brother uh, like you. Look at him, smile at you. Oh, he just loves you. And he watched that two-year-old find every little alpha instinct in him. And he just you can just feel the alpha instincts come to the fore as he moves to take care of and to assume responsibility for, for the baby. Now, the caring isn't informed. That's another issue. But the instinct are to care. And, and so these instincts are in every single person. Research shows us that even in the sexual domain, the dominance and dependence instincts are all there as part of the family. It's culture and context that's, that determines which will be expressed. Now, the more, the more common uh, maybe dimension that people might be familiar with is the dominance and submission, but you're calling it a little bit different from that. Is, is there a difference? Well, I think there is. I, I think basically because submission doesn't get the whole purpose of attachment. And the purpose of attachment is is for one to take care of the other. And and so I, I, uh, I talk about alpha because that moves to the top. But in actual fact, the opposite of alpha is not submission uh, or, you know, it, it is uh, it, it is to depend upon. And it is this, uh, and so the the real purpose is to provide and to seek. Uh, the provider is the answer to the seeker. The, the seeking you you are seeking for the answers in terms of attachment, belonging, love, and affection. And so this is uh, submission is a I think is a very harmful construct, in that you're giving up something. Whereas when you depend, it's a very positive thing, and there's dignity in it to lean upon, to trust in, uh, to see another as the answer. Uh, the Japanese culture uh, doesn't use the term submission. They use the term dependence, and, and they find great dignity in this. Uh, we have great problems with this in our North American culture. But sometimes now, like you've said, uh, the idea is that in couples, people will move in, in and out of these two roles in that attachment dance, where sometimes one person will be dependent upon the other and the other will need to take charge, and sometimes uh, the roles might be reversed. But you've written about an alpha complex, which is a little bit different. And how does that develop? And what is the alpha complex all about? Well, an alpha complex is, complex is basically when you're stuck... <laughs> Uh, you're stuck in alpha instincts, and, and it's not so fluid anymore. Uh, like Mother Teresa would be stuck, you know. Uh, Hitler would have been stuck. Uh, there's all kinds of manifestations. Uh, the, the, just a study was done on the U.S. presidents, and uh, they, the drive for dominance, uh, they call it a fearless drive for dominance, and what they have in common with, uh, uh, with psychopaths huh. is it, it's stuck. So it can be stuck in a rescuer syndrome, it can be stuck in a bully syndrome, it can be stuck in various ways, but it's, it's when it's no longer fluid. The difference is, is alpha instincts, they should depend upon the situation. When they're more characteristic of the personality, a bossy pants, a person who, who always has to take charge and over, then it's more characteristic of the, of the person. If it's characteristic of a person, then that person has, has an alpha complex. Right. Then you know what's funny is that I just watched the debate last night, and a lot of the commentators were talking about the two alpha males on stage, right? yeah, <laughs> Barack exactly. Obama and, and Mitt Romney. But uh, yeah. how does how does that 
uh, so it was more a, of a battle, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was, it was a good debate. Uh, but yes. what, what was the what is it that creates this stuckness in a particular person so that it becomes detrimental to them and the people around them? There's two things. We can be alpha uh, by default when we didn't have the proper experience in our childhood of being taken care of. And so we didn't encounter a strong alpha presence. And I think this is happening to more and more children uh, who simply don't encounter that. I, I had this experience when I was young. I was the oldest child, and my mother was very sick when I was five years of age. And my father was absent, and uh, it put me into an incredible alpha role. And it became, in a sense, my survival. And I'm quite stuck. I get exhausted sometimes in my alpha role. I, I, when I do a week intensive, I, my alpha instincts are so exhausted. After that, I, I can't. I don't even want to drive. I want my wife just to make the decisions about where we're going to eat and everything like that. But as soon as my energy comes back, you know, damn, I go right back into this alpha thing again. Mm -hmm. And so, what you're really saying, though, is that in that week, you're you're having to take charge of things. You're having to give yes. direction all the time. Right. Take care of others the and whole teach. time. Teach. Yeah. 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 And so the alpha instincts get exhausted and that's and that's the only time for me sometimes that they lay down. And uh, but but I had this experience which really put me into an alpha position. The other the other uh reason for becoming alpha is very simple. It's not safe to depend. And so if you were abused, uh, neglected, if if uh if uh, the uh, relationship was used against you, if if there was a lot of alarm in your childhood, uh, if it's not safe to depend, then then uh, it's easy to get stuck in that alpha mode. So there's different there's different reasons uh, for the alpha complex, but at the end, if you have an alpha complex, and you become defended against caring and defended against responsibility, this is where the bully is born. And so that that is the that's where it turns dark, and uh, the alpha becomes very perverted. This idea that we have in our culture that we want our kids to be independent, sometimes that independence happens by necessity and not out of out of a sense of secure attachment. It's, it's almost a negative type of independence. It is completely, and it's one of the things we're doing very wrong. Uh, independence cannot be pushed. The research shows that uh, that parents uh, divides parents basically of toddlers into two types of parents. Uh, one who says to their toddler, "You can walk very well on your own two feet. Don't expect me to do anything for you that you could or should do for yourself." Uh, and the other kind of parent who says, "Oh, come here. I miss uh, picking you up. But please, uh, uh, here I'll carry you." And ironically and paradoxically, <clears throat> the parents who are generous about inviting their children to depend have children who are who are invested and preoccupied with being independent. Mm -hmm. uh, the parents who are pushing the independence of their children have uh, have children who are stuck at wanting to be carried to depend. Mm -hmm. And so it's very paradoxical, and unfortunately, we have, we've been thinking that we have to push independence uh, instead of realizing that no nature has a plan. Uh, when, when we invite our children to depend upon us, uh, when they have a sense of being taken care of, 
when they feel generously provided for, automatically their limbic system goes into the, the next gear. And nature says, okay, now we're ready for doing it myself, for becoming their own person, and so on. And so that's nature's job to push independence. Our job is to take care of them. Now, we've talked so much on family anatomy and talked with you as well about attachment, and I think sometimes there's a risk for parents um, who, who are so concerned about their relationship with their children that they might even be afraid to set limits. They might be afraid to disagree or to take that alpha role because of the impact it might have on the relationship. But what does an effective alpha parent look like? Well, <laughs> that's, that's the thing is, is yes, uh, so much, so many parents have lost their confidence. They're afraid mm-hmm. of upset. The uh, a good alpha presentation is you don't express your own needs. You know, if uh, just like as a as a therapist, it's not time for you to express your own needs because that would bring the client to take care of you, and that would upend the whole the whole uh, uh, the whole relationship. And many parents express their own needs to their children and express their own emotions to their children. You're making me sad. I'm, I'm lonely now or, uh, you know, you're upsetting me, which just invites the child to take care of the parent. Uh, the alpha, the alpha presence is in the eyes. It's in the manner. It's in the demeanor. There's a take charge attitude, which really gives the child a sense uh, that uh, that everything is safe, everything is okay, you know, and that they are the ones that are being taken care of. Uh, but we, this is I found when I was in Provence on sabbatical there, and in Bali when I had a brief sabbatical there that the alpha presence in parents and in grandparents and teachers, it was a very strong scripted in culture. They walked as if they were their children's answer. They talked as if they were their children's answer. And children moved naturally in a dependent position looking up to them. And then you come to North America, and we have a whole host of adults who look so confused, who are following their children, who are running to gurus to tell them what to do. And, of course, when you're in that, you're in the dependent position. Mm-hmm. And I even have, have parents who, who would buy my book and say, I could hardly wait to read this with my child. <laughs> I would say, oh, my goodness, don't you ever <laughs> let your child know that you bought a book on parenting. That's the worst thing they could do. When it comes to your child, you've got to bluff it. They've got to know that you are their answer. You know, keep that, keep that, uh, that the secret. But we've lost somehow these very important alpha instincts with our children. And so our children are becoming anxious. <clears throat> They're becoming alpha as a result, highly alarmed, because they do not feel our strength. They do not feel... Our, our confidence in being able to take care of them. And so they take on the alpha role, and parents might be seeing, parents might be listening to this now and, and thinking, well, my son seems kind of bossy, and my child is pretty inflexible, and I've heard about some bullying at school. If a child is, is stuck in that alpha position, what can parents do to move them out of that? Well, the, the most important thing is to take your rightful position in their life. You need to establish a caring dominance with them, and that's not a, a, a that's not an issue of, of lording it over. It's an issue of making it, it easy for them to depend upon us, and that is the part that we're having difficulty with. You know, for over fifty years now, the key word in parenting has been 
uh, has been, you know, yes, it's okay for them to depend as an infant, but by two years of age, don't do anything for them that they could or, could or should do for themselves. And it's been a drastic message and totally uh, taken us away from traditional wisdom and culture. And so it, it is finding our rightful place, our, our caring dominance. Uh, for instance, in no traditional culture does a child feed themselves. The parent makes up their mind what the child is going to eat. And, uh, you know, if you have a Ukrainian mother still, uh, you, uh, the Ukrainian mother isn't going to ask you what it is that you would like to eat, not even as an adult. <laughs> you eat what she provides. Uh, that's the way you love her, and she loves you by providing. And in traditional cultures are, are like this, but we've, we've put children in the lead. We have lost our confidence, and in this, our children are becoming bossy, prescriptive, controlling, and then we misinterpret it as being strong rather than being as a, a, a desperate defense. And in actual fact, uh, the right relationship for children is to depend upon the adults who are responsible for them. And it's the only way we can truly take care of them. It's the only way we can make them feel safe. So you've said several times, you know, that uh, it's important for you as a parent not to look for the answer, but to be the answer. Yes. So if yes. that's the case, what is the question that the children or questions that the children are presenting to parents? Well, our bottom question of uh, all of us is, are we invited to exist in your presence? And this is, it's an attachment question. We look for contact and closeness. Uh, this goes back to the attachment hunger for love and belonging, for a sense of sameness. We're looking for this, uh, this connection in so many ways. And that is our basic hunger. And just as we are, our relationship should be to their food and to their safety, that we are their defender, we are their, we are their provider. The same thing should be true in terms of their attachment hunger. And so as parents, we've come to think that we have to figure out, we, we have to learn how to parent. Uh, we, we, we have to find out what the answers are. And in actual fact, we've neglected uh, the most important place of all, of, of just rising up to be the answer of our children. And that's where the alpha instincts are found, is in that aspiration, that mission, uh, that confidence to become the answer my child needs. So it's all about making sure that the children know that they're a priority for you, but also that you are the one who's in authority over them. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You're willing to make the decisions, including the tough decisions that they may be upset about. You're not afraid of upset. The alpha doesn't, is not afraid of upset. Mm -hmm. You can help them get through that upset, but you, yes. you still are firm in setting those limits. Yes. Do you ask for their input when you're making those decisions? Or, do you know what I mean? Some people might be thinking, well, should we be conversing about what their needs might be before oh, making those of, decisions? Of, of course, but there's always a bottom line. If, if a child cannot accept a no from you, then the whole point of reasoning is, is uh, it's a moot point because the fact is the child won't accept a no, so all you're trying to do is avoid upset. 
there's no point in ever having any kind of negotiation with somebody and taking their needs into consideration uh, unless you're accepted as an agent of futility. If you say, no, I'm not going to read the second story tonight, and they are able to accept it, then you're free uh, to find out what their needs are, all kinds of things. But if the bottom line is they can't accept you as an agent of futility, then that's what needs to be dealt with. So what are the consequences if they can't accept you as a and as an agent of utility? Or if you or if you, <laughs> or if they, you know you give in. You give in to them. They you know, they they start taking charge. What what's exactly. happening there? What what's the consequences of that? The whole issue of adaptation when when children need to be changed by that which they cannot change. Uh, when they're up against the things that they cannot change. This, this is the whole issue of human adaptation. And it requires a lot of courage of the parent to be the, the representative of that reality of futility. And the first word, of course, is just something like, no, uh, you know, mommy's a boss of that. I can't let you do this or whatever it is. Or I can't let you have this and so on. And so it's no. And then the, the response to futility, if it really sinks in, the the only thing left to do but is is for a child to have their tears and and it's that's where the body language comes in the limbic system when futility registers uh in the limbic system if the heart is soft enough uh, the eyes water and so the tears of futility are there and then of course the next response uh, from the parents should uh, to come along as an angel of comfort and so that you can make room for those tears at the same time be an agent of futility. But we've lost that wisdom in our culture along with the alpha instincts. And so we take way too many cues from our children in terms of what will upset them. And then we find that they can't, they can't adapt to anything. When they're up against things that they cannot change, they, they simply become more frenzied in their attempts uh, to alter realities that they have no business altering. And so this, it's all part, again, of this alpha thing. Our, the alpha role in a parent is to be able to have our yeas be yeas and our nays be nays, mm-hmm. uh, is to be able to, uh, to then collect the tears that need to come with this and uh, forward the adaptation of our children over the little things in life uh, so that they are prepared for the bigger things in life that they will be up against. But of course, when you have a parent who has difficulty accessing those alpha instincts, and then you have a child who may be bossy or inflexible, something else is going to happen we haven't really talked about very much. Sooner or later, you're sending that child off to school, and a teacher is going to have to deal with a child who feels like he's the boss. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. And once the tears are lost, of course, if you do stand up, if you do say no, then you get eruptions of foul frustration, of aggression, and so on. Then the real issue is is uh, goes much more deeply into addressing the alpha issues in that child and helping them get their feelings back. You know what's interesting? People listening to you probably think, you know, here's this warm and gentle man who advocates for talking about attachment and and, uh, caring for for children and for other people. And what people might not know, but I think you kind of mentioned it a little earlier, was that you you worked in prisons for a long time, almost like the opposite of what you might think someone (laughs) like you would have been doing. But that really informed a lot of what you came to develop in, in your theories. Oh, did it ever. It did. And many do do think of uh, attachment-based parenting as putting the child in the lead 
and as avoiding upset and taking the cues from the child. And, and, and that's not what it is. Attachment is hierarchical, and it is the parent taking their rightful position and responsibility because that's the only way that a child can feel satiated, nurtured, and safe. Uh, so there is, there are often misunderstandings when, when people get into this attachment uh, stuff. It is yes, it is nurturing, but to nurture one person has to be in charge. Otherwise, nurturance doesn't take place. And part of ensuring that kids don't become defended against those vulnerable feelings is making sure they know it's normal to feel sad, to worry about uh, things. Normalizing those feelings is so important for parents to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not to be afraid of them yourself. Yes, I think parents panic when their kids cry yeah. or they become if, very if, upset. If we're defended against our own tears, we're going to shame them in our children. It's very important to make room for them uh, in ourselves and in our children. Well, Dr. Neufeld, it's been great talking to you again. Um, we want to thank you for coming on the show, and we want to let people know where they can find out more about uh, your work and your books and where you're going to be next. Well, the, the best way of finding out more is just through the Neufeld Institute website, neufeldinstitute.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm just about to leave on a 10-country tour or will be in 10 countries and nine other countries in, in Canada, but uh, a way for, I think I have 26 events that I'm doing over a period of five weeks and will be in, in uh, Mexico and then in Europe and in, in Russia. Some political addresses, uh, actually, I get to address the parliament in uh, European Union in Brussels on the well-being of children. So some exciting things that uh, doors are opening mm-hmm. uh, for me. And I'll be in the Montreal area um, just uh, this uh, coming up very, very quickly here, um, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th for uh, day seminars on anxiety, alarm, the alpha child Mm -hmm. on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, bullying. And then I'll be back in the Ottawa region in the beginning of April of, uh, of next year. And I think I'm, I'm doing a public address on the troubled child. I'm doing a day seminar on play, actually, which goes to the very core of the developmental approach, the construct of play. And there's so much exciting stuff coming in from science now. It's just I think it's the hottest topic now is, is uh, the construct of play. Very interesting. And, well, you know, Giuseppe and I both are looking forward to seeing you next week. We'll be at the, uh, the second two days of your three days in Montreal. Oh, good. Great. Uh, So hopefully we'll get a chance to chat in person. I'll look forward to seeing you again. That'll be great. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me on your show. And that's it for us. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Dr. Gordon Neufeld. You can visit us at familyanatomy.com or email us at info at familyanatomy.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. If you're using an iPhone or iPod, you can find us on the podcast app. And as usual, we'll leave you with a bit of a tune by Brother Love, and he's over at brotherloverocks.com. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. So get up and sing. It's a family thing. Hey!
to do. FamilyAnatomy.com.